This is the Sheila Kama podcast. We are continuing our conversation on the subject of local content policies and their value in the area of mineral oil and gas on the African continent. I'm pleased to say that uh, today my guest is Rosalind Kenya. Rosalind Kenya is not only a very dear friend, but Rosalind is the founder and managing director of Kenya Advisory Limited. She is an experienced professional and non-executive director of corporations, including not-for-profit organizations. Rosalind's vision is to see deep and inclusive economic and social development that brings real and sustainable benefits to all citizens of countries on the African continent. Her mission is to encourage and to support corporations to integrate environmental, social, and governance best practices and socioeconomic responsibility into the core strategies to achieve their corporate missions. Rosalind, it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much, Sheila, for having me on your podcast. And I'm very excited to uh, be a part of this venture. Um, looking forward to having our conversation. Um, and once again, thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure. So let's get to it then and start with my first question. Based on your deep vision, uh, for inclusive economic and social development in the extractives. How do you think local content policies can make a specific contribution towards this goal of inclusivity? Thank you, Sheila. Well, first of all, I think it might be useful to uh, define what local content is for our listeners. Um, you know, very simply, um, local content is where companies who are operating in a particular country, in, in, in this instance, we are focused on countries in Africa, are required to uh, use as much local resources, um, employ uh, local people, and also have um, suppliers in their, local suppliers in their supply chain. Um, it, I think it also goes further um, in, in some cases in uh, requiring those companies to have uh, local uh, people or companies as partners or as part owners in the venture. So on the basis of that uh, definition, uh, my view is that without citizens of a country being able to uh, significantly participate in all economic sectors in that country, then there won't be that deep and inclusive economic and social development. I think it would be a, a, a stunted development because only a, a few would benefit. And in a lot of cases, particularly if it's just international companies who are coming in, bringing their own, bringing their own uh, technology and knowledge and not sharing, bringing in their own money and taking it out again, then basically you won't even have uh, any sort of meaningful uh, development, let alone a deep and inclusive one. So I think it is important um, that uh, companies, whether you know international and otherwise, really work to ensuring that if they are in a country, then it is um, making sure that they integrate as much that is local into the business um, that they're carrying out there. That's wonderful. You, you, one thing you have done is that you have very nicely moved from the notion of inclusivity to that of citizens and the focus on the right of citizens to benefit, which of course uh, itself embodies inclusivity. It brings me to a, a, a certain uh, view which is expressed by cynics who feel that actually local content policies for most part are just vehicles for rewarding political uh, chronism. Uh, I mean, what is your experience and how can we avoid that this otherwise very noble concept is not abused? 
Well, Sheila, that is a million dollar question. Um, and um, I think we are discussing local content now in what our term is purest sense. I think it's unfortunate that sometimes um, because of the way our political systems work, uh, where you have in, in, in certain countries maybe two or uh, two dominant parties, which is usually the case, one is in power one year, the other is in, you know, for a period of time and the other is in, in power for the next period. There is sometimes a tendency to say, well, this is our time. And this is our time means this is our time for those who support us not for the citizens as a whole. I think, you know, we do need to get to a, a real deeper sense of nationhood, that when um, a, a particular party or group of people are elected to govern, um, and uh, the majority of that country elects them to govern, they are there to govern the whole. And therefore, everybody should share in whatever benefits come. I think that's a fundamental thing. And it's not just about local content. I think it's just... Um, a deep and uh, a fundamental issue that we are grappling with across the continent. And I think it's that that leads to uh, this, uh, um, a result that can mean that only some benefit. Now, how do we overcome that? I, I, again, Sheila, as you and I talk ab about often, it's about leadership. It's about what message the leadership sends down uh, the food chain, so to speak. But I do think that also there is something that citizens themselves should do for, for, should do for themselves. And that is um, prepare yourselves to be those that an international company can come and partner with. So it could be um, anything throughout the supply chain where um, you are understanding the sector, particularly here we're talking about the natural resources sector, but understanding the sector, do your own homework, understand what the sector needs, understand where best you can fit in, you know, and, and, and be the best at what you can be in that sector. Because the first call is that the international company will have a say in who they choose, whether suppliers will have a say in who they choose as employers, uh, employees, and would have a say in who they choose as partners. I say they'll have a say. I'm not saying that their say will be the final decision, but they'll have a say. And I think you need to, um, as, as citizens, Put yourself in a position where when they are looking to have that say, you are someone that they pick on. Governments really should, we, we often talk about an enabling environment, and I want to elaborate on that. Governments really should prepare the ground. And it starts from our education systems. We need to have education systems that are preparing people for jobs of the present and the future so that they can come out and form where there's those companies that can become owner, uh, part, owner partners with international companies or suppliers to international companies or employees of international companies. And then provide the sort of financial incentives. A lot of time, our citizens and our, our, our local companies are not able to scale up or um, put in place the standards and practices that are required by international companies simply because they don't have the money to do so. These things cost. So I believe that our governments should be more concerned about opening up um, uh, an, an environment where our, our local companies can come in and get that necessary finance, get that necessary training. Our young people, as I say, or even our older people should be um, given the opportunities to be educated so they can participate in that particular sector of the economy. Now, that is what I believe that governments should do. Um, and I think then it is, who, you know, who's the best wins um, 
and and then it doesn't matter i mean i'm a bit of an idealist but i still push my ideals it doesn't matter which party you belong to it's a question that all citizens um, have an opportunity or all citizens as uh, can possibly do have an opportunity so that's the way i believe it it, it, it should be done whether it's oh. what's being done now i cannot say or i can say but i won't say <laughs> well uh, i'll spare you for now but uh, let's <laughs> talk about this enabling environment so mm -hmm. typically there are two approaches to local mm -hmm. content mm -hmm. some governments take a view that we will encourage investors to do the right mm -hmm. thing Mm -hmm. Others take the view we will legislate. Uh, where is the balance? Uh, what is the right approach? Is, is it best that we encourage investors or is it best that we prescribe to them? Okay, now I'm going to show my bias. As you know, Sheila, I, I have a legal background. Um, I don't see the law always as a stick. I see the law as providing guidance, as providing boundaries, as providing a space where rights can be exercised and um, you know so, so that's how I see the law and I, my sense is that yes policies first you know I think you can put policies in place first and see whether people are in quotes encouraged to follow those policies and um, really um, make sure that they do um, embed local content principles um, in, in the way they operate. I think if those don't work, then it is a question of legislation then, because then you are needing to make it uh, something that people of your country, and you know, I don't want to use the word in, in the sense, have a right to in the, in the sense that we're championing, but I just think actually there's a, there's a good reason, a win-win for both companies and for uh, local citizens in the local content area. So I think, yes, to start with policies, um, Again, I think with the policies to create an environment where if an international company comes in, they can find people who are trained enough to employ, okay? They can find companies that have the systems processes in place and are able to do the jobs that they require. Because unfortunately, what happens is that sometimes the policies of the law are put in place and companies are just told, thou shalt go forth and employ a local citizens to become A, B, C, and D. And you know, the, the companies, they're not always justified, may look around and say, we, we can't find um, the, the number of people that are required for this. I don't always believe that is true, but anyway, they can make that excuse. But if you do have an education system that pours out people, and there can be no denying that there are qualified, experienced people in the system, companies cannot say they would do that. The same goes for um, uh, local companies that are going to become partners or part of the supply chain. So I think there is something to be said in, again, this enabling environment needs to go with the policies. And if all else fails, then I do think there should be legislation because I believe legislation clearly creates the guidance and the boundaries and we all know what we're supposed to do. It's not a, if you like. Um, so th that's the way I would suggest that it's done. I don't think I have to say that it has worked that effectively, even where there's legislation. But we are on a journey. I think we should be a bit faster on that journey, but we're still on that journey. That's lovely. So um, let's turn to the corporates. Mm -hmm. Some of your corporates, clients, what do you say to them about the value to them of embracing uh, policies on local content? What is the value proposition there? It makes business sense in so many ways. For one thing, 
I mean, I know the cost because Sheila, both you and I have worked for natural resource companies. I know the cost of bringing in an expatriate to do a job in a country. It is not just their um, salary, okay? It is all the, the expenses and all that. Now, um, of course, in, in, in the oil and gas industry and, um, uh, and I believe in the mining industry, that cost is uh, it, it actually is deducted because, you know, let's remember that in, in some cases, the companies are actually contractors to government. So the company has come in and said, we have the technology and the technical skills, the expertise and the money to be able to explore and produce oil for you. But the cost of doing that will be charged to you because we are contracted to you. Now, in among those costs is the cost of the employment of the people who are going to do this. So for me, it both is it both best for government and for the companies to make those costs as low as possible. And you can lower those costs by making sure you use more local people, um, you use more local suppliers. Um, so for me, there's a cost benefit to it. There's a cost effectiveness and a cost efficiency. It's just pure dollars things, goes to the bottom line, benefits at all, more profit. That's one thing. If we're all acting with integrity. The next thing is, if you're a company, particularly in the natural resource industry, you're in an international company coming in, you're going to be as an, a corp or corporation in that country for a long time, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, whatever number of years you are, you're going to be in that country. And I think you're therefore a citizen of that country. You have to form important relationships, not necessarily just because you want to be friends with anybody, but in order for your business to succeed, because you're always going to require licenses, permits, uh, you know, all sorts of regulatory authorities. You are going to need to interact with people in, 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 in the country to get your business done. And in Africa, relationships are important. And I don't always generalize, um, but I know that that is something across our continent in all our countries that relationships are important. And therefore this, in a, in a way, by you, um, bringing in and making sure that you are integrating into the country and the people of the country are benefiting um, visibly and demonstrably from uh, the business you're doing, builds those sort of important relationships that will help your business run smoothly. For me, it's, um, this is like um, there's a train that needs to run, there are tracks being laid, and there are all sorts of things that take, it takes to make up those tracks. The tracks need to be constantly be oiled so that the train runs smoothly. And then one of those things, one of those ingredients where there's the oil and the tracks or the uh, parts of the tracks are local content uh, policies and practices in my mind. So, so it turns out that both uh, on the part of the host government, but also on the part of the investor, Local content really is uh, speaks to some level of uh, enlightened self-interest on, on both parties if yes. executed well. Yes, it does. Yeah. It does. And uh, uh, yes, and I think sometimes you know the pressures. And let me just say this: that so one will say, well, why isn't this done? And I think sometimes it is the pressure of having to get. You know, when you come in uh, into a country to explore uh, for oil or for minerals as an international. Uh, 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 a company you're given a time frame with which to carry out certain aspects of a work plan and because those time frames are tight you are sort of thinking well i just need to get the people i know in who can do the job so that i can get this period done 
you know, and so, so sometimes the time pressures, um, the, the product timeline pressures before you get to production, your exploration, your development phase are so tight that you think, oh, you know, to do, in quotes, to do local content is going to take me so much longer and I might not meet those time frames. But I really do believe that with a bit of forward planning beforehand, you can achieve that. And I, for one, I don't believe anymore this thing about we can't find Africans to do the job. I mean, we are all over the world. It, it, you know, I mean, you can get a Ghanaian in Iceland. You know, uh, there are many Ghanaians in Houston. I'm, I'm using Ghana because I'm from Ghana. So I believe that if you're intentional about it, you can find the right people. And even if you can't immediately, to be intentional about saying that, okay, I'm coming in, this is what I have in the country, um, or this is who I can see in the country, I am going to really invest in them to make sure that over time that they can take, o they can take over. I think that's the best thing. I, I just want to give an interesting example. Recently, Seplat, who are a Nigerian oil and gas company that Sheila, you might know about, and uh, are an indigenous Nigerian oil and gas company. I, I had the privilege of doing some work for them. You know, started off with a, a Nigerian CEO, chairman, and, and, we, and, and they had a, an English CFO. Recently, um, in, in the natural course of succession planning, the English CFO has become the CEO. Now, I, I, I thought this is quite interesting because this was an indigenous African company. It is truly indigenous who has gone out and, and sort of said, okay, the best person for the job is somebody within the company. I have nothing against that, you know, because for me, that is local content having worked so well that we can actually say, you know, nobody's going to say that company is a, a European, is a Nigerian company that has chosen the best. I always think that that's what we should be aiming for, you know, as, um, as indigenous companies, not, uh, sorry, not as indigenous, but as international companies coming in, really beginning to grow indigenous companies who can then choose from the world who they want to employ or who they want to partner with. Uh, thank you for raising those, those issues, especially about uh, the capacity of citizens and the availability of competent citizens, because these are things that run very deep in the psyche of Africans. And I, I often think that corporations underestimate the, the extent to which they are very important, and it speaks to a people's sense of, uh, you know, accession, a people's sense of uh, worth, a people's sense of identity, and, and and I think they can sometimes be lost when we discuss corporate strategies and not appreciate mm -hmm. just how deeply sensitive people mm -hmm. are about these sort of things, and the notion that 60 years down the road, since uh, former yes. president Guruma, you can't find. Uh, people to yeah. run corporations. For most Africans, it, it doesn't sit well at all. Let me ask you one last question, if I may. Mm -hmm. Of course, uh, local content, you've made a very good case for local content, uh, especially as it relates to extractives. Let's mm -hmm. try and think beyond that. What follows after local content? My sense of local content is that it isn't an end in itself. It's a means. Yeah. Yes. You know, what follows when the deposit or the gas field or the oil mm -hmm. field has been mm -hmm. fully pumped? What, what takes place thereafter? Sheila, that's a very good question. Um, you know, I am not one who is very focused about what happens at the end. I'm fully focused about what's happening during the life of the lifetime of the operation. Um, it, it's a bit like 
you know, it's a bit like what legacy are you creating whilst you are still here? Okay. And for me, I've always believed that our minerals and our oil and gas resources, particularly because of where the world is going. I mean, Sheila, we had a discussion before about the, the, the seeming move towards uh, uh, away from fossil fuels at a time when uh, countries, some countries in Africa are just discovering fossil fuels and they need it for their um, economic development, both in terms of using, uh, building up, say, a gas industry, a domestic gas industry, or um, the revenues that they get from trading their oil and gas resources. And now we sort of are hearing about, you know, and for good reason, I, I, as you know, I'm a sustainability person, for good reason, but it's a time when we're, we're wondering, you know, in 20 years time, what would be the market for, the, uh, for oil and gas products? I believe that we really should, as, uh, as African nations, be focused on the revenue that we are able to generate from these resources now and what we use them for in other sectors that have longer lives, create more employment. So, I mean, to state the obvious, agriculture is a sector that I feel has not been fully um, uh, exploited. I, in, in, and I use exploited in a good sense. That is a sector that, um, you know, will feed us and feed the world, as we've heard, and also create employment. So I really believe that when we get the revenues, the focus shouldn't be on the resources. And unfortunately, so often, the focus is on the resources. The focus should be on um, the optimal revenues we can get from these resources that can we can reinvest back in the nation and create sectors that will last or that can, um, not last, but that can change with times, that can create employment, particularly for our, our younger generation, where the idea of un unemployment is such a, a, a looming nightmare, I have to say. So for me, it is, I, I, I don't look at what, what after, I'm looking at what we should do now, what we should be using the revenues for now. And, and local content is just a part of it. There's so much more we should be doing. Well, that is a, a nice uh, note to end the conversation. Uh, Rosalind, thank you. thank you very much uh, for joining me and uh, to I listeners join us again uh, as we continue this conversation on local content you can find us and subscribe on spotify uh, there's much more to come uh, on the issue of local content rosalind and the listeners thank you very much i'll touch to you again in the next week thank you very much sheila for having me it's a pleasure bye-bye for now <laughs>